the power and magic that you can create around you will heal and be contagious in such a beautiful way. That's the hope. Welcome to You Better, a show about personal discovery and love. I'm your host, Keisha Garrison, and I'm on that journey of knowing and loving who I really am every day, just like you. I want you to come face to face with yourself and be proud of what you see. My friend, it's time to do better. It's time to you better. Now let's get to it. Hello, hello. It is so good to be back with all of you. And first off, I want to just say thank you. Thank you to everyone who tuned in last week and has showed love for the show so far. Your text messages, social media posts have been so great and really appreciate everyone who's been leaving ratings and reviews. It's all so encouraging. And I even had someone hit me up with support on Cash App, y'all, which is an incredible surprise and a beautiful vote of confidence. I appreciate every bit of it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now for today's episode, we are going to be talking about what it looks like to go on a healing journey towards self-love. Just break down the whole process. Now, if you've ever watched Iyanla Van Zant Fixing Lives out there, you may have heard the phrase, you got to do your work. Well, today I'm sitting down with a wise and vulnerable friend who has made her life's work about helping others understand and get to the work. Her name is Tyra Firestein, and she is a writer, artist, and spiritual thought leader who is passionate about helping other women feel less alone on their journey. Through her artful expression and storytelling, it is her mission to help illuminate a path of authenticity and healing for feminine empowerment. Her work focuses on women, but fellas, I assure you that this episode has lots of goodness in it for you too. We're getting into a conversation where Tyra takes us through her insight about the important steps that are in a self-love journey, and she shares some of her personal reflections along the way as well. Now, before we dig in, I want to share a trigger warning. In this conversation, Tyra and I touch upon the topics of child abuse as well as intimate partner violence. My hope is that in doing so, we are offering helpful encouragement for those affected by either of these, but it is best that you know that content is here so that you can decide now if you do or do not have emotional or mental space to proceed with consuming it today. And if you currently have the need for it, confidential support is available via the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 and the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453. With that, let's get into this conversation with Tyra. Thank you so much, Tyra, for doing this with me, for joining me. I'm so happy to see you and be with you. I feel like all of our conversations have helped me answer just one more of life's questions. That's my experience of you. I agree. I think when we met at work, I remember you in your office. I remember walking by and my boss was like introducing me to everyone and you and I got into such a thing that he walked away. He's like, I got to get back to work. (laughs) But we clicked so quickly and I, you're right. Every time we would have lunch or every time we would meet up, we would always share something really profound that I think we would both learn from. 
All right. So let's get our listening friends acquainted with you. Who are you today? So I am Tyra Firestein. I am, I have traditionally, I have not been in a traditional job in 12 years because we left New York to move to Denver for an opportunity for my husband professionally. And so I have this beautiful eight-year-old son that I've been really focusing on. And over COVID, I wrote a book about the experiences that I've had, the stories that I've had that have really shaped me in my life. And I wrote it in the vein of helping to relate and help specifically women who have felt marginalized in their lives and have who you know, want to heal, but don't know where to start. And so that was sort of the point of writing it. And so I'm in the process of developing it. And now I've just started putting my art and my words out into the ether uh, to, you know, to help empower women to live authentically. Yeah. Happy for the world that we have a person like you doing work like that. Thank you. So that is beautiful. Do you think that young you from middle school would be surprised by any of that description of who you are and what you do now? A thousand percent. Like, I think that even, you know, we're about to talk about self-love and I don't, you know, I think even the woman you met 15 years ago would be surprised to, to see me in my power, wanting to help and create. There was a part of me that always knew that I wanted to help and I wanted to be creative. I just never knew how it would come to fruition. Yeah. So why have you chosen this work? What led you there? So, you know, I have had a really colorful upbringing. I hate to, you know, I hate to use any other adjective because it's all a gift, you know, in hindsight, it all is in the fabric of who I am. And so I found myself about eight years ago after I was a mom for about a year feeling really lost and really like, what is my purpose? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Being a mom just wasn't enough. And I embarked on this journey of self-development with a spiritual teacher. She, I randomly met her at my friend's 40th birthday party and her and I started to talk and she's like, I'd love to work with you. And I was like, what do you do? And she's like, well, you know, I, I work with people to do, you know, to do self-development. And I had never heard that term before. I've heard people being in therapy. I'd been in therapy. Um, and when I got on her couch for the very first time, I just looked at her and she's like, so why are you here? And I started to cry and I was like, I just feel so lost. I don't know who I am or what I want to do. And she's like, well, that's a good place to start. And for me, it was, and I, I'm so fortunate to have had the resources to do this work. Women are suffering a lot in the world. They're strong. They're Mm -hmm. powerful. They're managing it. They're pushing through. Yeah. But we are suffering a lot historically. And I think we think that's just our lot in life, that we are just put our heads down, push through, be the nurturers of this, of our societies and just And we do. But then oftentimes I have found in my relationships with women is that they aren't maybe honoring themselves because they feel that that's selfish or they feel that maybe that's going to take away from what they're contributing to their families or their work. They're not honoring themselves or they don't feel like they have the space to because they work in very men driven uh, environments or whatever the story is. Women have been historically very marginalized and we are strong and we push through 
and we don't know how to heal and we don't know where to start. So that was a very long, uh, roundabout to say, why I, why am I doing it? Because I've had the opportunity to heal and continue to heal. And I just want to create space through relatability for other women to have that opportunity. Beautiful. It's such a great part of, of life when people who learn share. Right. Something that's going to be really important for listeners of this show will be to do some thinking about what self-love even means for them. So I would love to just open up the recipe book a little bit yeah, and look at the ingredients of self-love with you who has been on this journey, unpacked a lot and, and has some things to share with other people to help them. So where do we begin? Well, let's, first of all, let's just say what self-love is not is it doesn't mean that you have to wake up in the mirror and look at yourself and be like, I'm perfect. (laughs) Um, I think that sometimes self-love gets mixed up with, thinking that you're perfect or like there's a lot of superficial elements that I think get tacked on to self-love. And so let's just start with that's what it's not. And I think that, you know, the first step to going on a journey of wanting to unearth love for yourself is just having some awareness about what you were taught love is in your formative years. Like what does love mean to you? And I think oftentimes we were taught love in a conditional capacity, not on purpose. I think that our caregivers a lot of times praised us when we were good and punished us when we were bad, right? And we somehow sometimes equated that with being lovable. And so just going back on your own journey and saying like, what did love look like for me when I was little? How did I equate love? Like, did I think I was being loved when I was being good and not when I was being bad? Or was I loved unconditionally? And so I just like, I love too much and I'm not giving it back to myself. You know, I just think the first step is having some awareness about what does love mean to you? How, how was it modeled to you as a, as a child and how has that now in your life started to model itself in your relationships with others and your relationship with yourself. Absolutely. Many of the things that we were taught to accept as love actually were not. It wasn't because the people who were caring for us were trying to intentionally not love us properly. They were operating from their conditioning, from their frame, and probably still, even as you're an adult to this day, hold it. Yes, that's what I was doing was love. But yeah in situations where, for example, children are being hit. I think that someone hitting you and saying, I'm doing this because I love you. As an adult, it's like, what? Are you kidding me? Unless you were taught as a child that hitting was part of love. Yeah. And so I think that there's so many problematic things to just pause and and unpack for oneself as to what was I taught that love was? And even if we didn't sit down as a family and have a what is love discussion, what were the actions of love? Were any of them harmful? Were any of them leaving me in a state of confusion and feeling unsure about myself? I agree. I think, you know, we were we were raised in a time where spanking was a normal part of parenting and no judgment to anyone's parenting style. Um, But I also, you know, as a child. I was abused and I was abused. And then that was sort of veiled in, but I love you so much. 
And so if I go back and I, and I address that and I look at that, I think, wow, it's so interesting that when I, you know, as a little girl having crushes on boys, I always chose boys who were mean to me Mm. or ignored me because the truth for me was love was not safe. So I loved to go after friendships and people that would never get too close to me because, you know, in that abusive state of love, I was like, love is like kind of icky if you ask me. And so, you know, I had to evaluate that for myself because then as we bring this back to how are we loving ourselves, right? My love for myself started to be abusive and we'll Mm. get into that. But, you know, what the things I was doing for myself that I thought was like making me better was actually abusive. Wow. Yeah. I think one of the things for me was processing the concept of love, not just being a sentiment. Right. Just saying over and over, I love you so much. Saying those types of words, but not really taking loving actions that showed that there was active care for my well-being. That was something that I had to process. What has that taught me about love? And how am I then internalizing that? Am I saying things to myself that I'm not acting on and calling that a job well done? Like, yeah. I mean, as a child, learning learning the words love and then not seeing any actions that define that is could be is very confusing. So yes, as we have this talk, what I would really want people to get out of this is that, you know, you don't just and so, click your fingers and love yourself. It's it's important to go through a process of self inquiry and have some awareness around what were the seeds that were planted for you around love and how are they growing even today. And so then it's time to start having some compassion for yourself for mm. for that. Right? It's time yes. to like when you assess. Then we have to go back to that younger version of ourselves and our current versions of ourselves and have some compassion for, you know, the missteps in which you were led to believe love was and how that has, you know, manifested itself, maybe not in great ways with how you're treating yourself or how you're treating others. Like you got to have some compassion for everyone involved, for the people who taught you that, for how you then went out into the world with it. Because as you said before, I genuinely believe our caregivers are doing the best they can with what they had and what they were taught. It's okay to feel your feelings and be angry about it, but then you do have to, you know, show yourself and everyone around you compassion for how it went down. Getting to that place of compassion where you can actually see and care to understand why someone else came to the place that they got to yeah. And why they operate in the ways they do, it not only allows you to not hold the same intensity of, of anger or whatever icky feelings are attached to whatever happened in your life, it allows for me to be able to then depersonalize what happened. Yeah. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a quick story. My mom was raised in an orphanage in the 50s and 60s. For all intents and purposes, she was not taught love. Some might argue she wasn't loved at all. I wasn't there. I don't know if her caregivers had love for her. The stories she tells me about her upbringing are horrific. Mm. Her ability to then have me and show me any kind of care and love is a miracle by all definition of the word. Now, what ended up happening for me is as a young child, I ended up taking care of my mom a lot because she has really severe mental illness. 
And I just knew from a very young age that I was there to kind of hold her down. Mm -hmm. So that taught me, well, love is conditioned upon my being able to care for someone or what I give. If I give and I support this, then I will be loved and I will be safe. And for a long time, I was angry with my mom. I was like, why did it go down like this? Like, why was this how I had to experience it? And when I had the tools of doing the healing, how can I not look at what she went through as a child and have compassion for that and know, well, she was just doing the best she could. And she genuinely does love me. She didn't mean to put conditions on our love. She just didn't know any better. I have to have compassion for that. I don't have to, but I choose to, you know? Yeah. This podcast is affiliated with bookshop.org. Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. So whenever you head over to bookshop.org slash shop slash you better and purchase my book recommendations, you are not only supporting your own self-love and self-discovery journey, you're also helping to keep local bookstores as an integral part of our culture and communities. And guess what? You are also financially supporting the production of You Better. Again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash you better. All right, head over there to get shopping. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, people really are, in most cases, doing the best they can with the tools that they have. Yeah. And they can still fall short. It's a, it's a hard thing to accept that, well, I was not loved properly by someone who yeah, I cared about. Sad. It's sad. But it's sad. But I think in the worst of circumstances, I believe everyone goes out into the world trying to love the best that they can. And so, you know, you get to a place where you can have compassion, which in my definition is just being like, I understand where that person came from. Compassion is a level of like heartfelt understanding. Now forgiveness, it's a little tougher, right? Absolutely. Forgiving ourselves for how we've treated ourselves, forgiving our parents for maybe abusing us or neglecting us or all like the forgiveness stuff is like, this is the place where I think your self-love journey has to sit for a bit before you can really this is kind of the key stuff is forgiveness because I'm a big believer in feeling your emotions and like really honoring your experiences and what you've been through. So to forgive doesn't mean you don't honor yourself in the process. To forgive is to no longer attach yourself to the suffering mm. and decide you want something else that you want, you want to move on from it. And there's this alchemy of forgiveness that I think is, you know, is tough. And so I don't want to say that, you know, you have to get to a place of forgiveness for yourself and others lightly, because I know that's a really intense process for people. And it's ongoing. Forgiveness is not something that happens one day. You're like, I forgive that. And, you know, I still to this day have to come back to that little girl inside of me who was abused and be like, we're okay. It's okay that person was doing the best they could and wasn't, I don't think 
really understood the impact of suffering they were going to have on us. And we're going to move on and we're going to have compassion for that. And we're going to forgive that because we want to choose something else. Yeah. That still happens. I think about forgiveness in context of upbringing, but also it's hard for me to not think about it in terms of like intimate partner violence. Yeah. After you leave that, that first, um, relational dynamic where you're with your, your nuclear family, you're, when you leave that, you're often pushed into, okay, you need to find a romantic relationship, a romantic partnership. This is the next phase of, of your life. And this is your next phase of loving. It doesn't seem like it's talked about enough that many people find themselves being abused by the people who claim to be their romantic love partner. And yeah. that whole moment of getting, when you do all the work necessary to break free or something like that. Yeah. The idea of forgiveness after it's someone said one. they loved you. And then they hurt you. How does a person begin their forgiveness journey? Can I tell you, I think it really starts with forgiving yourself. Because mm. I think what we do is we get into situations with partners, right? Where we're like, well, how could I have allowed myself to be in that situation? How did I take that? Like, how did I get myself into this? Yeah. And again, you have to go back to how love was modeled for you. So you know, if you're in a situation where words were said, but actions weren't met, and then all of a sudden someone's abusing you and calling it love, you're like, oh, oh, so this is love? Right. And you have to be gentle with yourself. You know, you have to. So I think forgiveness really begins within. And I think if you can get to a place where you go back to that place inside of you that that was abused and you can for, forgive yourself. Because the forgiveness for the other person will come in time mm -hmm. as healing and stuff comes. And I don't think that's the priority. I think when it comes to self-love is what we're talking about here. Forgiving yourself that you didn't know better. You are doing the best. We just said our caregivers were doing the best with what they had at the time. We're doing the best with what we have in the moment. So in that moment, when someone is causing suffering upon us and calling it love, and we're like, we're learning. And ultimately we get to the other side of that experience and we're like, well, that was not love. And so there's a lot of people who aren't even out of that cycle yet, who are yeah. still in a cycle of, of suffering that can't even pull themselves out of that. And so forgiveness has to even happen in the moment, you know, this, we just are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. It could very well be, a mo I could hear someone saying, well, I must deserve this because I made the choices that put me here. No. And there's, you have to get to that place of forgiving yourself and learning from what you learning from what you experience and allowing yourself the space and the grace to make a different choice because you're worth it. And not saying, because I did X, this must be my lot in life. Yeah. Grace is such a beautiful word. Yeah. We deserve grace. We all do. Even if anyone, if somebody was watching this, and they are in a situation where they're suffering, where they're in a relationship where love is causing suffering. What I would say is I never think that suffering is without learning or without a lesson. So it's teaching you something. And to bump up against that feedback over and over, I think that eventually the learning comes and, and that movement and evolution comes. And grace is what everyone needs to give to themselves. I mean, that's what you can't yeah. just love yourself in out of nowhere. You have to 
find grace and ultimately forgiveness for yourself because, mm-hmm. you know, we're all still those little girls and boys running around wanting the love and attention and safety that's still yeah. inside of us all the time. Yeah. And, and I would offer to a person who felt like love is causing suffering the permission, if you need it, to question if that is love. Just right. if love right. and suffering are right up next to each other, I don't think that that's truly I mean, a love. True love experience. does not cause suffering. No. And that's that's the truth. And I and I can say that from somebody who suffered, who's been in abusive relationships, who's been abusive to myself. What I can say is that anything that's causing you suffering is rooted in fear. It is not rooted in love. Absolutely. So we we've got some pretty heavyweight ingredients here so far. We we got some awareness, some compassion, some forgiveness. What else is on the ingredient list? So, you know, and then you kind of have to accept what is, right? You have to get to this place of like, so this is who I am. You have to have unconditional acceptance before you can have unconditional love. And accepting the unacceptable has been one of the most powerful lessons in my life. To accept that you were abused by someone feels unacceptable. But on the other side of that acceptance, because it is the truth, right? Like we, the truth is the truth. So you can push it away and you can be afraid of it, or you can invite it in and you can say, okay, truth that was really difficult. That was really painful. What were you trying to show me? Okay. I see. I accept that. I now accept that. And I, now I want to, I want to move, I want to move on from it, but it's that key is, you know, accepting who your caregivers were and why they taught you that accepting the ways you've modeled it in your life and the things you've tolerated or you've put up with accepting how and what you've put yourself through, you have to accept it. You have to say, okay, that happened. That's the truth of what happened. And you've got to make some level of peace with it. Yeah. And that acceptance of truth, it's, it's personal too. It's not, something that you should start campaigning for other people to agree with you on. No. There have been times in my journey where I had to get to an understanding that how I experience something is not necessarily how that person understands it. Like That's right. They, they're not me. And so they came to whatever moment with their own history, with their own conditioning, with their yeah. understanding of what it meant to love. And I have to be able to own what my experience of that was and the truth of that for me without them needing to say, yes, I 100% see what you're saying. And I agree. You will likely never get that. It's a rare occasion that you're going to have somebody validate what your truth is for you and be like, yes, Keisha, I see exactly how that went for you and how I participated in it. And I'm so sorry for that. Uh, you know, you, you, rare, you rarely are, which is why this is called self-love, because this is self-work. This is the work of honoring your own experience on your journey, having compassion and forgiveness, accepting what it was for you so that you can free yourself up to move on. And yeah, you, you can't look for it on the outside. You can't look for anyone else to really honor it for you. You can have somebody understand it, yeah. but they can't honor it in the way that you can for yourself. 
Yeah, there is there is something to be said for finding people who can understand what what it is you're expressing and validate that you're making some sense of, of the experience you had, but definitely hoping that external validation doesn't hold someone up in their journey. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, acceptance is also not just about, you know, retrospective, but it's also about being honest and accepting where you're at today. Like, I think, you know, especially when we're not in a great place, this idea of like negative self-talk and how mm. we sort of inflict suffering on ourselves, you know, what awareness creates is an ability to look at yourself and be like, so how am I perpetuating this for myself and having acceptance for that? Like when you're speaking negatively to yourself, because, you know, change can happen in a moment, of course, but change can't happen until you accept the truth of what is. You can't change something unless you're being honest about what it is. I can't go look in the mirror and say, ah, I'm so beautiful today. When I, the truth is, I don't believe it. And we'll get to that. But so acceptance is a huge step in just, it's a way of honoring the truth of what is so that you can start to evolve past it. Absolutely. And, And I will tell you, there's another side to that where there's some wonderful things that if you haven't gotten to a place of accepting that it's okay, to be happy about the things that are great about you or the things that you like about you because of whatever reason. I'll I'll give an example of once I started feeling like, wait, I might be that girl. Like I I got some good (laughs) things to work with here. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I just had to get to this place where not being modest or humble, like where I didn't carry some baggage around, like you're, you know, bragging on yourself was a bad thing or being able to own like any day I wake up and I feel beautiful or I feel pretty. That's not always the case. So when it is the case, I want to feel unencumbered in being able to say like, girl, you look good. (laughs) And not just say it to myself, but like I will say it in front of other people, whereas old me probably would have felt so self-conscious about things like that. But I had to get to a place of of acceptance for myself that I could talk to myself and about myself in positive ways without worrying about if I was breaking some social norm. Because I'm like, no, I need to hear this and I don't need to wait for somebody else to say it. I look good. And how freeing (laughs) is that for you? Doesn't it feel so free? It does. It does feel so free. And to be able to not worry too much about what wake I leave behind me of somebody being like, oh, that was kind of arrogant. Like, I don't, I don't really care. Do you know why? Because it's all about intention. Because when you're in a place where you're celebrating yourself genuinely comes from a place of love, not of ego. Yeah. Ego's afraid, right? Ego is bravado. Whereas really coming from a place from your soul, your soul that loves, there's no wake to be left behind but love when you're coming from a place of love. There's no need to worry because the intention is to honor yourself. Right. That nothing bad can come from that. It's, you know, humility is such a beautiful, even your ability to translate that to me now, there's a humility in that and there's a beauty in that. Um, And so, you know, we can get to this idea of when you can start to, you know, unearth this, these, these embers of love for yourself. um, And they're really coming from an honest, soulful place. 
that that is magic. That is not like braggadocious. When you're coming from your ego versus when you're coming from your soul, they are two, two yeah. completely different energies. Yeah. And so, you know, the goal when you're on a journey of self-love is to really connect deeply with your truest self, which is love. And my hope in, in that is if there's any wake to be left, it's one where people feel like, oh, wait, it's okay. It's, it's okay to do it's, that. Okay, I'm gonna do yeah, it too. <laughs> your light, Keisha, lights up space for everyone. When you're shining, that if somebody around you is 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 inspired, it's light for everyone. So that's the thing. I think people, as women especially, we uh, we're afraid to shine brightly for a lot of reasons. In some ways, sometimes shining brightly gets us abused, gets us the wrong kind of attention, right? Yeah. And oftentimes people want to dim our light. So we start to shine our light and then some, it gets dimmed and then we're like, oh, should I do that? Should I not? Again, it's that external feedback. Yeah. So when you feel powerful enough to step into your light and shine that for others, it's so beautiful because you do, you give every person around you permission to light up in that way. It is okay because the intention is so pure that when somebody is out in the world loving themselves, it takes a pretty disconnected person to look at that energy and be like, who is she? Who does she think she is? Yeah. And ultimately that energy doesn't matter. Because you're, you're practicing giving it to yourself, giving yourself what you need. Yeah. Uh, how do yeah. you practice the inner self-kindness and, and what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis for you? I think once I was able to go through the steps of healing, you know, there's always, I think we all have this. There's always been something inside of me who's been really proud of who I am. My truest nature really does love myself. And I, if I look back, even in my darkest moments, I've always had these glimpses of being like, I'm a pretty amazing person. And yes, you are. Thank you. But when I tap into that, that feels good. When I'm being mean to myself, that doesn't feel good. And so where the seed starts to grow is out of a desire to feel good. And so, listen, there is a fake it till you make it in some ways. It's like exercise, right? Like you can't want to lose 100 pounds and get on the elliptical machine one time and you've lost 100 pounds, right? It's, it's a practice. And so, but just the act of stepping onto the machine is an act of self-care, right? And so I think where it began for me, this is so fun. This is actually, this just came to me. I started taking selfies. <laughs> like I started just wanting to see myself. I wasn't seeing myself. You know what mm. I'm saying? I was seeing this version that was of me that was cloaked in fear and resistance and not feeling good enough. And I didn't want to look at her anymore. I wanted to see that other side of me. So it started with just like looking at myself. And then I just, this, a practice that I use in all walks of my life, not just in self-love is I start to pivot. The minute I start feeling something negative about myself, I honor it. And it only takes a few seconds to be like, no, so, yep. So certainly we have work to do, but ultimately like I'm beautiful. I am kind. I, all of us have goodness in us. Mm -hmm. And if you can 
access the appreciation, the gratitude for your goodness in even the smallest way, that is a pivot from causing suffering to yourself, right? So if you're in a moment where you're like, oh, I'm worthless, but you're a mom or you're a partner or you go to work, but but no, but you're adding worth to the world and and finding that gratitude. And it's a, it, it sometimes can be minute to minute to keep pivoting out of that negative self-talk. But if you've done the work of building these foundations of the awareness, the compassion, the forgiveness, the acceptance, the kindness starts to come Mm -hmm. because you can't have compassion for what you went through and continue to cause suffering to yourself. I mean, I know that's, Mm -hmm. I'm not totally answering the question, but, but in, in logical terms, it is this daily practice of pivoting from negative to positive of, you know, honoring that negative feeling you have in yourself, but deciding you want to feel good. So having gratitude for what's good about yourself. I want everyone to know that deep down underneath all of the things you've experienced and all of the suffering you may have gone through, that your truest nature is love. And you are that and you deserve that. Everyone deserves that for being exactly who they are. There's something to be said for being alive right now that we've like, we're alive. And things are changing and consciousness is shifting and love is where consciousness is going. We've had too much hate. We've had too much divide and it's going to collapse. And so now is the time for love. And if we can source it within and then project it out, each one of us who's able to do that starts to generate healing in a in a mass way. You know, that is, I mean, that's, stuff. The hope that lives in my heart is needing for all of what you just said to be true. But you have to have faith too. You know, you have to have faith and you, and whatever that means to you, faith and surrender are such beautiful tools if you can find them. And, or if you have people around you who can support you in that, you know, you, you have to have faith that if you do this work, that on the other side of it is sovereignty is this inner freedom. And when you feel free, as you were saying, when you're going out into the world saying like, I have all of this to offer. I have all of this to to teach and help with. That is the magic on the other side of finding love for yourself. And you can't just like take our word for it. (laughs) Yes. What are some self-love practices that you have found to be beneficial in your life? I have meditation. When I meditate, I connect to my truest self, which is in, by definition, love. So meditation is huge. Creation, when I create, I feel really good about myself. It doesn't matter what it is. If I write something down, if I draw with my son, if I I make something beautiful in my home, creation is a huge act of self-kindness for me. And also just retraining my inner dialogue, Mm. just thanking myself, celebrating myself internally, you know, giving myself when I do something that feels good, honoring my accomplishments. I'm somebody who has suffered from really chronic depression. Putting the laundry away some days is a feat. And so I, I have to stop and say, good for you for doing that today. So yeah, it's stillness. It's creating, and then it's 
celebrating myself internally, having that dialogue with myself of gratitude and, uh, and just saying you did it like being my own little cheerleader. Yes. You know what? I haven't talked about this very much, but like I have like this chronic pain. And when you said that about getting the laundry in, I'm like, I I relate (laughs) because people want to cheer for, Oh, you got featured in this. or you gave this speech. And I'm like, some days the big accomplishment is that I got the laundry into the machine. And no one's standing next to you going, yay, Keisha, you powered through your pain to do that. You have to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to. And every single person wins little battles all day long with themselves when they're struggling. And to celebrate those wins internally starts to ignite that pivoting process I was talking about before. You start celebrating those little wins and it's contagious. And it's like, oh, that feels so much better than beating myself up. That feels so much better than focusing on what I didn't do. It feels so much better to focus on what I did do. I see all of this good doing going on in the world sometimes. And then you sit with someone and you're like, how are you so hard on yourself? If you can even unearth a small spark of loving yourself, the way your impact in the world becomes so much brighter and uh, lighter and it, it's, it is healing. It's just loving yourself is healing and it heals others. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of healing because I think that as scary as it can feel in those processes that we went through, you know, going back and assessing all of it, it is scary. It's not easy stuff to do. And I, I never want to sound like the things that I am sharing come easily because they don't, but nothing really worth it does, right? Nothing nothing so beautiful and worth it doesn't come without a trade-off. And the trade-off to discovering self-love is to really going within and doing that work. And just know there are so many people out in the world doing that and, and you're not alone. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of the gem droppery. For you going forward yeah. from this place of healing that you have achieved for yourself or that you are continuing to nurture for yourself, yeah. what would it mean to you to you better? My work always is honoring my truest form of expression, whether that's writing, whether that's art, whether that's being in commune. When I really tap into my truth and then I share it in how, whatever form, that makes me better. And I've been really afraid for a lot of my life to share because I thought, well, who am I? Who am I to, I'm not an artist. I just doodle. I'm not a writer. I just love words. I'm, I'm not a voice. I just love to talk. You know, only very recently have I stepped into the power of my creation. And every day I have to actively choose to create um, and to share authentically. And so that is always my work every day is just sharing and creating from a place of love and healing. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, Tyra, for joining us on You Better. Love you. Yes, I am so grateful for people who are willing to teach from their life experiences. Before we wrap up with lessons learned today, let's take one more small break. 
part of me taking better care of me is making sure that you know how to book me so we can continue learning together and so I can continue paying my bills, okay? So if you like what you're learning here on You Better, let's take this thing to the next level. Email me today to book me for your next event where personal growth or activating care for different communities and cultures are on the agenda. I am ready to moderate meaningful conversations, to lead learning circles, or to speak about how we can be better to ourselves and others. And if it's a conference type thing, that's great because I'm a dope MC as well. Tap into my enthusiasm for encouraging us to love and celebrate the richness of our varied experiences. Email me today at info at keishagarrison.co. And don't get it mixed up. That's an I before E in that Keisha, and that is a dot C-O at the end. Info at keishagarrison.co. I'll be looking out for your message. Now let's wrap up the show. All right, y'all, we really went into some tough stuff in this episode, and I want to really thank Tyra for sharing so much with us, and I want to offer you all a few thoughts. Now, you might have, as Tyra put it, a colorful upbringing or personal history. Perhaps there's a bit of pain and shame or a lot of those in your background, and a lot of what we discussed in light of that may feel really daunting especially in you know the cases of abuse like we discussed. Please know that you don't have to journey alone. This is your work, but you can grab a therapist, a close friend who is a compassionate person, a spiritual advisor, but the most important thing is getting on that path and doing the work. I want to share with you a passage from a book that I bought recently that I'm really enjoying. It's called Clarity and Connection by Young Pueblo. And the passage goes as follows. The biggest shift in your life happens when you go inward. You step in and observe all that you find with acceptance. The love you bring lights up your self-awareness. You start seeing how the past is packed into your mind and heart. Patience, honesty, and observation start the healing process. With time, intention, and good healing practices, the past loses its power over your life. You continue the process, stepping in, feeling, understanding, and letting go. And then you start noticing the results. You are not the same anymore. Your mind feels lighter and develops a new, sharper clarity. You start arriving into your life and relationships, ready for deeper connection. I thought that was a beautiful beautiful summation of what Tyra and I discussed and take that with you along with those steps that she shared coming to a deeper awareness where you process how love was modeled and defined for you because that's often how we were projected onto ourselves and to others find that compassion settle into that understanding that those who modeled love for us have their own conditioning and history that impacted how they love others and remember to save some of that compassion for yourself Find that forgiveness, that super hard part that starts with forgiving yourself because you are also on a path to knowing and doing better. And that acceptance, another hard one, where you look at all your perceived flaws and grow to that place of honestly knowing that you are a wonderful being. It's hard work to shed the outside conditioning that tells you not to love yourself, but 
Freedom is waiting for you on the other side. Then that self-kindness. What is your inner voice sounding like? Are you talking to yourself like Gordon Ramsay in Hell's Kitchen? Because if so, I'm going to kindly ask you to adjust that tone, okay? Keep speaking to yourself kindly until it becomes a habit. And then finally, adopting a self-love practice that helps to light you up. Find out what works for you. For Tyra, it was things like meditation and creating art. What grounds you? What delights you? Whatever you come up with, get into it. Now, I've already shared one book with you today, but I have two more that I want to suggest. I also think you should check out All About Love by Bell Hooks. As I'm recording this, it is the beginning of Black History Month in 2022, so I have to pause and give thanks to this dear sister who has contributed so much to our collective consciousness. May she rest in power. And since we talk so much about upbringing, for those of you who happen to still be working to process harm-filled childhoods, I will suggest Toxic Parents Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life by Susan Forward, Ph.D., She has a different view on forgiveness than what we discussed in this episode, but I think you just have to gather perspectives and do what feels right for your healing. If you check out the show notes for this episode, there are links from my bookshop.org shop for each of these recommendations, as well as all the recommendations from past episodes. And with that, I hope you learned something today that will help you to you better. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a loved one. That's the main way we keep the show going and growing. And please leave a rating and a review for me. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. I'll see you next week.